Hey, good morning. It's good to see you today. Take your Bible. Turn with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. Luke, chapter number 16. Wonderful crowd this morning. I realize it's hunting season. A lot of our guys are gone. A lot of people on vacation, some people visiting, but it's good to see you, good to see the church full as it is every Sunday. Thank you on Facebook for joining us, and thank you for sharing our messages. Last Sunday's message has 1,400 views. Thank you for sharing that. A lot of response on that. I want to remind you of this Wednesday night, we're going to have a special Wednesday night Thanksgiving service where I do not preach. We get in here, we testify, we sing. There is no order to this service, none. I don't structure it in any way. The structure is up to the Holy Spirit. So uh, you want to be with us on a wonderful testimony service night. This Wednesday is the night. We have great crowds on Wednesday night, especially this Wednesday night, because if you got a special, be ready to sing. Come out and be with us. Next Sunday will be the last Sunday to give for St. Jude's. The box is in the back. Everything goes in the box, goes to St. Jude's. Since we had 2000 started, we had a $2,000 gift. We multiplied that again, and guess what? We are headed toward $9,000 toward St. Jude's. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God. So give yourself a hand this morning. Thank you for giving. And then as you find your place in Luke 16, thank you for encouraging little Gracie to sing. And isn't that great? And uh, I want to and listen. Thank you for encouraging Andrew to sing. Uh, we don't know where that came from. It just <laughs> popped out. And uh, he told me last, he told me this week, he said, Dad, I can't do that every weekend. I said, well, son, we're, we're not going to sing every weekend. There, I mean, you know, there's a schedule to people singing. And he, I said, but why did you say that? He said, because about 3 o'clock on Saturday, I got the jitters. <laughs> and he said, I can't spend every weekend so nervous. I said, don't worry about it, it'll be okay. So thank you for your encouragement today. I want you to stand with me all over the house as we read several verses of Scripture here, actually 13 verses of Scripture. I have never preached, I have never preached a whole message on money, ever, 12 years. The message this morning is going to be completely and totally on money. You say you're going to preach on tithing. No, I'm not. I'm going to preach on the proper use of money. The proper use of money. Let's look and see what the Bible says about it. Here in, in Luke chapter 16, verse number 1, And he said, this is Jesus, said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused to him that he wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? Boy, he's in trouble. He wasted his Lord's money. Word got back to his Lord that he'd wasted it. What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I'm going to lose my job. I cannot dig. To beg, I'm ashamed. Oh, I'm resolved what to do. That when I'm put out of my stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou, my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Sit down, take thy bill, and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended 
the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, here's the verses that confused me to death. And it all tied together until I studied it out. The Bible says this is Jesus. And I say unto you, make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. That was confusing until I stated it. I hope I can make it clear this morning. Then he goes on to say, He that is faithful in least, which is least, is faithful in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If you have not, not, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he'll either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Some complicated verses here for me. I hope that a week's worth of study in 30 minutes, we can straighten some things out here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious word. We realize that all this was given unto us for a reason. I pray you'd help us to not just open our hearts this morning, but that we'd get our minds in gear, that we might grasp these eternal heavenly concepts. We praise you for your word. Thank you for this season of the year. I pray you'd bless us now as we study your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting to me as we open chapter 16 of the, of the book of Luke that the whole chapter is dedicated to the handling of material wealth. Some people in this chapter handled their material wealth really well. Others did not. The first verses here deal with a dishonest steward working for a crooked boss. Yet we are cautioned here in about the mammon of unrighteousness. In the middle of the chapter, we find that the Lord was aiming. He had, I have never aimed a message at somebody, but the Lord did. And he aimed this message at the Pharisees. They were religious, but they were greedy. They were pious, but they were covetous. We find, as we finish the chapter, a story about the rich man and Lazarus. The Bible said the rich man fared sumptuously every day, and Lazarus laid at his gate full of sores, and the dogs licked his sores. And yet the Bible gives us a glimpse of their eternal fate, because when they died, both the rich man died and the poor man died, and the rich man went to hell. And was tormented, the Bible says. But the poor man, Lazarus, went to heaven and was comforted. Now let me say this. The rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. And Lazarus did not go to heaven because he was poor. The rich man went to hell because he trusted in his riches. The poor man went to heaven because he trusted in the Lord. That is the difference in heaven or hell, where you put your trust. Where is your trust this morning? The Bible says, better is the poor man who walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. The baseline of the whole chapter here is to ask us some questions. Where is your trust? Where is your treasure? And how will you handle what God has given you in this lifetime? Somebody say amen. 
that's where we are. So the term, let me get in quickly into the, the, to the sermon. The term money appears in the Bible 123 times. The terms wealth and treasure appear less than 50 times. The term mammon here in our scripture appears three times and it only appears four times in the whole Bible. So mammon is this. Mammon is money. Mammon is wealth. Mammon is our worldly possessions. But mammon carries the idea more than money that mammon means that we're trusting in our money. Jesus called it here the mammon of unrighteousness. Can I just say something to you? Our whole system of trade and barter in America is full of corruption. It is full of corruption. Our whole social life is permeated with fraudulent activity and wicked customs. Everything about our money is wicked and tainted. I'm going to take a dollar bill from my wallet. It must be a Baptist dollar because it's wrinkled and faded. I've held on to it for so long. Amen. But it is no telling where this dollar bill has been. It's Listen, it is, it, it is corrupt. It, it is. Jesus said, if I trust in that. Now, let me make something uh, sure that you understand something right off the bat. Money is amoral. Amoral means it's neither moral nor immoral. Are you with me? It's neither ethical nor unethical. It's the use of it that makes it immoral or moral. Are you with me? And so uh, we find that this money, Jesus said here, he used the term the mammon of unrighteousness. That means this money is corrupted. It's no telling where that dollar bill has been. That might have been the price of a harlot. That might have, been, that might have purchased drugs that somebody overdosed on. That money might have gone to the whiskey store and bought a quart of whiskey and that person who bought the whiskey was a drunk driver and killed somebody else. You say, preacher, how do you know? I don't know that. I just know that thing's corrupt. It's wicked. If you and I knew how many wicked deals and crooked transactions that had been through, we wouldn't even want to use it. Amen. Had a man tell me, he said, I used to drive a truck. And he said, I actually drove for the mafia occasionally. And he said, I hauled a load. And they told me, he said, the boss told me, he said, you take this pallet. And he said, it doesn't have a bill of lading. You deliver that pallet where I tell you, and you'll get paid handsomely. And he said, so I delivered the pallet. And he said, I got curious what I had delivered. And he said, I asked the mafia guy, what did I just deliver? He said it was a whole pallet full of money. A whole pallet. Can you imagine that? And yet every dollar bill in that pallet had been tainted with corruption. If it went through the mafia, you better believe it. Listen, most, here's, here's, a, here's a quote. Most banknotes have traces of cocaine. This has been confirmed by studies done in several countries. In 1994, the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals determined that in Los Angeles, 
Out of every four banknotes, on average, more than three were tainted with illicit drugs. Three out of four tainted with drugs. The use of money for us as Christians is, I hate to say it like this, but it's true. It's a necessary evil. We have to use it. It is a system of barter. Again, it's amoral. But Jesus talks about here the mammon of unrighteousness and emotional attachment to that little green thing right there. Folks, that is a piece of paper that will be burnt up in eternity. In the first verses, we find here the example of an unjust steward. Put your thinking caps on. He had this unjust steward had mishandled and wasted the rich man's money. He was employed by the rich man, the rich man being the employer, the steward being the employee. He had mishandled and wasted his employer's money, and he had gotten caught. Wow. It's pretty obvious when you read the story, the steward is about to lose his job, is he not? He's about to lose his job, and so he comes up with a plan. He devised a plan. If I'm going to get fired, I'm going to do something that will help me in the future before I lose my job. Look at verse number 3 to prove it. Verse number 3 says, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I'm going to lose my job. Is everybody with me? I want to be real plain because we, there's a lot to learn here. I cannot dig. I don't want to be a ditch digger. I don't want to go out and be a common working man making minimum wage. I'm not going to do that. Then he said this, I'm too, I cannot dig, and to beg, I'm ashamed. I'm, not gonna, I'm about to lose my job. I'm not going to dig ditches. I'm not going to be a panhandler. I'm not going to be a vagrant. But, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll go out with the last authority that I have, and I'll forgive my employer's debtors. So he went out, you know the story, we just read it. He went out and he went to the first debtor and he said, how much do you owe? And the guy said, I owe 100 for 100 barrels of oil. He said, sit down quickly and make it out for 50. And then he went to this other guy and he said, how much do you owe? And he said, well, I owe for 100 a, a of wheat. Well, sit down and make it for 80 quickly. Hurry, we've got to get this done. I'm about to lose my job. But what he was doing was he was doing them favors so when he got fired, they'd give him a job. Are y'all with me? He was, he, his motive was corrupt. He wasn't forgiving those people because out of the goodness of his heart. He was forgiving them so they would receive him into their house or give him a job after he got fired. Are y'all with me? This story is full of corruption. So that brings up this question. If Jesus is giving us a story full of corruption, how can we turn it around and do something good with it? Oh, so we've got these favors. So the unjust steward has done other people favors. So when the boss fires him, he'll have somewhere to go. He fully expected to lose his job, and when he did lose his job, he would go out and pull some political strings in favors of those he had forgiven, and then he wouldn't have to dig, and he wouldn't have to beg. But then something really strange in this story happens right here. The boss finds out 
that the steward caused him to lose money. I mean, he lost 50% on this deal, right, with the oil. And the boss lost 20% on that deal with the wheat. You'd think the boss would say, sorry, bud, you're out of here. You wasted my money. You were an unjust steward. And then you pulled a stunt like this. I'll see you later. But the boss, the Bible says, look at verse number 8. And the Lord commended, that is the boss, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. So you know what I come to the conclusion here? Don't get confused. The boss was as crooked as the steward. And what he did, when the boss saw how the steward acted, he said, wait a minute. If that old boy can be that shrewd, and that's what the word wise here means, it means shrewd or sly or savvy. If that old boy can be that shrewd and that savvy when he has to be, I can use him in the future. Do you see the corruption that's going on here in this story? Is everybody with me? I've tried to be real plain. So that tells me the employer was crooked, the rich man was crooked, the steward was crooked, but yet if he could use his sharp-witted cleverness to make more money, the Lord was willing to do that. Wow. If the unjust steward could be motivated, then maybe he had some potential. But the unjust steward did some good, a little bit of good. Didn't he forgive somebody? I mean, somebody, we don't know who, somebody got a 50% uh, 50% off of their oil. Somebody got 20% off of their bread. So he did some good. Can we all agree on that? The money was corrupt. The boss was corrupt. The unjust steward was corrupt. But there's a couple of guys that got a pretty good deal. How'd you like to get 50% off at the gas station? How'd you like to get 20% off your bread at Food City? Amen. But yet, here's the thing. Money is polluted with oppression, greed, fraud, and extortion. Should I throw it away? Or should I use it for the glory of God? Now we're getting somewhere. And so this whole thing of greed and the use of money is going to be turned around here. You see, material wealth tends to lead us into corruption, dishonesty, greed, and compromise. Jesus said this, how hardly shall a rich man enter into the kingdom of heaven? Why? Because he trusts in his riches. Paul said this, but they that will be rich, that is their will is to seek after money, will fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with sorrows. The Bible doesn't say this is evil until we trust in it or until we become emotionally attached to it. That's not enough amens. I want to say it again, and I'm looking for an amen this time. The money doesn't, the Bible doesn't say that this is evil until we become emotionally attached to it or trust in it. Thank you. 
And so the Bible compels us to use money wisely, not greedily. Listen, you and I need clothing, we need food, we need homes, we need gasoline, we need amenities, we need commodities, we need all these things, and we have to use it, but we can use it for the glory of God. Our money is so corrupt, and, and I think of this often, and I'm not trying to begin an economic or a social revolution, but the truth is you and I drive our air-conditioned cars down to the air-conditioned Walmart, and we buy a $20 shirt, and on the other side of the world, the person who made that shirt just makes $20 a month. I mean, I spend $20 a month on birdseed. And that's other people's incomes, total incomes in a month on the other side of the world. Oh, yeah, there's economic injustice in the world, and I'm not here to correct that. I'm just talking about the corruption that's in our systems. Jesus is teaching a lesson here, though, in opposite thinking. Opposite thinking. Here's where we reverse. Now, let's reverse everything. If an unjust steward can take corrupt money, with an evil motive and do something good and pay something forward, then what can we do for the kingdom of God? Jesus, this lesson that he's teaching us, that surely the Christian can take the same system of barter with a correct motive and a good heart and accomplish the will of God. We sure can. You see, corruption cleaves to this, but I can use it for an eternal purpose. Now, let me give you a verse here, and let's straighten something out. Verse number 9. Write, get ready to write in your Bible. Get ready to write. Here we go. Jesus said this in verse number 9. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. I read that a hundred times before it made sense to me, and I had to look up one word. Is Jesus telling me to make friends with greed? Is Jesus telling me to make friends with corruption? No. Here's what he's saying, and write this in your Bible. Over the word of... Write this from the use of. It is the Greek word, that preposition of, is the Greek word ek or ex. And it means this, from the use of. Now let's read the Bible again after you wrote those two words in. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends from the use of the mammon of unrighteousness. That when you fail or when you die, or they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Does it make more sense now? So the, what did the unjust steward do? He took the mammon of unrighteousness. He forgave others their debt so it would help him in the future. Is everybody with me? So you and I are to use what God has given us so it helps us in the future. That's the whole gist of this. So make to yourself friends from the use of the mammon of unrighteousness. The idea here is that we can take a temporary resource and make an eternal investment. It's getting quiet. 
I think once I turn this whole thing around, we're understanding that God intends us to be good stewards of what he's given us. We can take an unclean source and do something righteous with it. We can invest this. Jesus said, lay up your treasures in heaven where moth and dust doth not corrupt and thieves can't break through and steal. Why would you and I take something that is corrupt and put it right back into a corrupt system? That's exactly how we live. That's exactly how we move. That's exactly how we have our being and how we exist in this world. But Jesus is saying this, stop taking your money from a corrupt system and putting it back into the corrupt system. Why don't you put it towards something that'll be everlasting? Why don't you pay it forward so when you fail that they may receive you into everlasting habitations is exactly what he said here. So the same principle here is that we ought to send some things on ahead. Not just money, but the forgiving of debt. Can I say to you this morning as we try, as Christians try to be good stewards of God's money. By the way, I appreciate our church and our deacons and our treasury. Everything is accounted for. We account for every penny. Every penny you give is used for the glory of God in this church. Somebody say amen. We have business meetings and everything is in the open. Nothing is under the table. We are, our books are completely open before God and the government. Amen. So when you give, you'll know that you're giving the money for a use that will be eternal. Jesus said this, so that when you fail, so that when you fail, let me say something, but I'm closing the message. One day, your life will be over. You're going to fail. That when you fail. One day, my life will be over. And we'll cease to exist. And Jesus said this. One day, when you fail, you, you, you will have invested in heaven. Whatever you've given to the Lord, you have invested it in heaven. You have invested it in the future. You have invested it in a worthy cause whatever you've given, and you will meet that reward. Wow. Money will fail. The government will fail. Life will fail. Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good and that they be rich in good works ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Jesus said about paying something forward, about forgiving debts or helping someone else. Jesus said this, in so much that you have done it unto the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Jesus said the use of our time, our talents, and our tithes will be used for his glory. I'm closing. He ended the phrase with this. That they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Make to yourself friends, the Bible says, by the use 
of the mammon of unrighteousness, so that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now, what does that mean? Is there any, see, the unjust steward forgave with a wicked motive so he'd have a place to go, so somebody would welcome him in the future when he lost his job. And Jesus turns this whole thing around and tells us, invest so when our life is over, somebody will welcome us into heaven. Let's think about that for just a minute and we'll go home. Is there any better reward in this life than to know that somebody in heaven is waiting on you? Somebody that you helped. Somebody that you aided. Somebody that you gave to. And they're waiting to receive you in the everlasting habitations. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Every time you give to this church, you know what it does? It keeps our building up. It keeps our lights on. It keeps, it, it keeps our ministry going. It keeps our ministries flowing. And guess what? One day we'll step into heaven. And there will be that young girl who knew she was lost, who knew she was going to hell, she heard the gospel message and got saved because you gave, because you kept the lights on, because you gave to the ministry, because you used your money wisely and you were a good steward, and they'll, she'll receive you and say, listen, because you gave, I'm here. There's the young man over there who was on drugs and his life was a mess and he was homeless and yet because you gave, because you kept the ministry going, the gospel message went out and he's now in heaven. There's that teenager that will spend eternity in heaven because we contributed. There's a person maybe that we forgave a debt to and we gave them the gospel message and they're receiving us into everlasting habitations. Wow. Maybe there's that elderly person that you had an influence on because you gave them of your time and of your, your wealth and your talent. They got saved. And now they're receiving you into heaven. Wow. What about that little girl or that little boy that had cancer? And they were in St. Jude's and you coughed up a little bit extra right around Christmas time and said, I want to be a blessing. I want to send this forward. And they welcome you into heaven and say, because of you, I got to extend my life. Because of your giving and your generosity and your love, and I got to extend my life a little longer. Welcome into heaven. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Do you understand the principle here of the unjust steward paying it forward for the future and us paying it forward for the future? And I'm going to say this, there's that all these people in heaven ready to welcome us saying everything you gave, everything you gave was accounted for. It may have been accounted for in the church, but it was accounted for in heaven because you, out of the goodness of your heart, you see the unjust steward out of the evil of his heart, he acted, but when we act out of the goodness of our heart, then God gives us absolute eternal credit. The chapter is finished. 
by the rich, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I wonder about this. What if the rich man had stopped trusting his riches and the rich man had trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and the rich man would have had a heart of compassion and would have helped Lazarus? Would Lazarus be in heaven to say, welcome in. I'm going to receive you into eternal and everlasting habitations. That is not what happened, but it could have happened if the rich man would have turned his life around. God help us. Jesus said this. Look at verse 10. I close. He that is faithful. I don't know about you, but I just want to be faithful. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in that which is least is unjust also in much. If you therefore have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? I've taken my time this morning on purpose because these were some very, very difficult verses when we started, and I think we've simplified it enough so we can all understand what Jesus is conveying to us today. Let's all stand. I'm through preaching. God bless you. Not going to have an altar call. Don't want anybody to come to the piano. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to ask you a question. I've already asked, but I want to ask you one question before I exit the pulpit. What are you trusting in? Where is your loyalty? What do you want to be faithful to? Brian, would you come and dismiss us in a word of prayer? Father, Lord, as we close out the service this morning, Lord, we just thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. And Lord, as we think about how we ended that service this morning, we think about true riches. May we just be reminded that true riches don't come in material possessions, Lord. True riches come by knowing you as our personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that there be one here this morning that doesn't know you, Lord, that they get that settled today, Lord. And for those of you, for those of us who do know you, Lord, may we just share our faith with others, Lord so that one day they may enter into heaven. And Lord, just make us, allow us to be faithful to that which you've called us to be, Lord. Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you for the privilege you've given us just to gather together and worship you today. Now bless us as we go our separate ways, Lord, and just give us a desire to be back for our special service on Wednesday. Lord, we look forward to that combined service on Wednesday, and just the opportunity to give praise to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.